0: or you can find us at our website, Medorchurch.com It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of the Lord know the Lord can take care of you? You know that, you've experienced it. He is our great provider and he is our great protector. Amen. We are going to be going into part two of our series that we're talking about the four temptations of Christ. So our theme scripture is from Hebrews chapter four. Amen. And we are going to be going to verse 14. Hebrews chapter four and verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Then he tells us who that priest is. Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like this. We are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Praise God. Lord, we love you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We thank you for the example, Jesus, that you have set for us. God, we want to be like you. We want to walk like Christ. Lord, we pray today that you would help us in the study of this uh, lesson tonight, let it be lord a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway in the mighty name of jesus let everybody say amen, amen. god bless you. you can be seated our topic on this temptation number 2 is protection protection everybody say protection, protection. the passage before us that we began with and we launch with is we understand that jesus went in as our high priest to take care of our sins, to atone for us. He was both high priest and lamb, a man to atone for us, but he went in knowing how we feel. Jesus knows how you feel. Let that sink in for a moment. In the moment that you feel like that you are, are, are perhaps the craziest and like all, all is going crazy and haywire around him, You know he knows how you feel. Because he's had that temptation come against him. You've been fearful, fear has come against him. You had worry, worry has come against him. You have anything that you and I have faced, it came against him, yet without sin. Amen. He being the second Adam came and was subject to the feelings of humanity, was subject to the emotions of humanity. Amen. There are some that say that Jesus could not have even had a choice to sin, but he did or it would not have been temptation. Temptation means you got a choice to say yes or no. And so Satan come to tempt him. When you study the life of Christ, you will find that he... Had to deal with test after test, issue after issue, temptation after temptation. He had to deal with the fact that there was a lot of people that hated him and wanted him dead. Not just at the Calvary, but they sought occasion. The Pharisees and the Sadducees sought occasion to kill him. They wanted him dead. The Bible also says he was poor. He didn't have anywhere to lay his head. Didn't own a house Didn't have a a GMC pickup to travel with. He walked everywhere he went. Amen. He He was dealing with poverty. He experienced sorrows when Lazarus died. What does the Bible say? That short verse of scripture that everybody ought to have memorized. Thank you. Great. Good job. Amen. But we find that he had feelings. His life was a battery of tests, emotions, and trials, and temptation. It was Jesus that said, if it be thy will, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it be thy will, Father, let this cup... He knew what he was about to face. He knew what he was about to go through. There are, however, four specific temptations I want to deal with. uh, uh, And we dealt with the first one on Sunday. And that was about uh, uh, provision, that God, can God provide. That is where Satan said uh, in in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall... Not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. How did Jesus respond to the temptation and attack? It is written. Say that with me. It is written. How are you going to overcome temptation, whether it's small or large? It is written. Hallelujah. The temptation was about his identity. If you are the Son of God. So what defines me is my source. Just kind of, you know, reviewing for what we talked about on Sunday. The source that we plug into identifies us. If I'm plugged into self, then I might have 56 pronouns that I can use for myself. If I'm plugged into the world, I'm gonna have all kinds of different battles with my identity. Who am I? What am I about? But if I'm plugged into him and into his word, then whatever his word says, it's who I am. I am who I am because the word says I am. I am who I am because the word says I am. The first temptation uh, that came against Jesus was to perform rather than to obey, to perform rather than trust, amen. It was the attack that says God won't supply your need. You've got to supply it yourself. God won't take care of you. You've got to take care of yourself, amen. I see people today around the world and in, in, in our community, they're doing a, a wonderful job taking care of themselves, aren't they? The first temptation was to perform rather than to obey. The first temptation was about identity and an attack on the person of Jesus Christ. We learned that our identity is not based on our need. We're hungry or not hungry. It's not based on our desires. My identity is not based on my weakness. Can I just stop and tell you today, it is a flat Uh, lie from the pit of hell to make men and women feel like their identity is wrapped up in their sexuality. God never intended for your identity to be wrapped up in your sexuality. I'm talking about the the emotions and relationship and a physical act, amen. But our identity is in Christ. I am because of him, hallelujah. Not my lack does not identify me. My lack of food or the lack of money or the lack of, uh, of, of, of things in my life, my heaviness, my humanness, uh, is not going to define me. What defines me is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he said, I am free. I am delivered. I am his child. Can you thank the Lord for that today? Well, now we come to the second temptation. The second one is found in Matthew chapter 4. And verse number 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. So there's a change of location. We'll get into that. And he saith unto him, again, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thou foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him again, it is written again. Look at that. It is written again. Ooh. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. In the temptations, Jesus, uh, it, it, it becomes very clear that Jesus is understanding the harassment of temptation. He went through temptation to know how I feel. He went through temptation to realize how sly and Tricky the devil is to cause us to sin. John the Baptist proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven was at hand and then he baptized the king. The plan of God was coming in full motion and history was on the verge of changing. The kingdom was coming. The kingdom was coming. As King Jesus came not only to save the world, but he came to vanquish the opposing forces that are against the kingdom. The Bible tells us that for this purpose the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested to save, but he was also manifested to win. He was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. The king overcame the tempting devil so you can overcome the tempting devil. Amen. Temptation comes, but a lot of times we need to realize that it is the precursor to triumph. Temptation precedes victory. So if you have victory or temptation coming your way, just hang on. Victory is coming. Hallelujah. You got temptation coming and you withstand the enemy and you overcome the enemy. Just hold on a little bit because victory is your next encounter. Can you give God praise for that? Our king overcame so you could overcome. Matter of fact, he he said, I've overcome the world so you could overcome the world. He overcame the devil so you can overcome the devil. He overcame the temptation of habits so you can overcome the temptation of habits. He, came, he overcame the temptations of worry so you can overcome the temptation of worry. He overcame the temptation of fear and doubt and dread so we can overcome the temptation of... Somebody say, I'm a winner already. I'm a winner already. Praise God. Oh, yes. We see in this second temptation a change of location. The devil takes him up into the holy city. Everybody say holy city. Holy city. And setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Jesus carry or the devil carries Jesus from the wilderness to Jerusalem. He brings him from the dry, barren wilderness to the most sacred and holy place of all, the city of worship, the temple of worship. Uh, uh, Luke records it like this, the same temptation. He records it like this in Luke 4 and 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from hence. The temptation doesn't happen this time in a place of hunger. It happens in a place of holiness. The temptation this time does not happen in a place of scarcity. It happens in a place of surplus. The enemy doesn't just attack you in the wilderness. He will attack you in your worship. He will attack you at church just as quick as he will attack you on the job. Temptation can be in the house of God. I have actually been praying for people and temptation comes. The devil comes messing with your mind. He wants to distract me from my purpose. He wants to distract me from the prayer. I believe today we need to be very aware that he's a faithful attender to the temple. He faithfully comes to church to get in your head, to tell you what people are thinking about you, what everybody's looking at you, and everybody's talking about you. and, and, And you know what? He tells that to every one of us, so we're all thinking everybody's looking at me, everybody's talking about me. I'm telling you the truth. He will attack you when you're alone, and he'll attack you when you're with others. He will attack you when you feel as if you're away from God and when you're in the presence of God. He will attack you in times of famine and he'll attack you in the times of feasting. He will attack you in the seasons where it feels like God is a million miles away or he'll attack you in the seasons of revival. The sanctuary is supposed to be a place of safety but Satan shows up to attack. Evil doesn't just happen in the desert it'll happen in the Holy places but know this you can overcome in the wilderness you can overcome in the temple hallelujah so he takes him to jerusalem and puts him on the pinnacle of the temple Where the pinnacle is located uh, is not exactly known. Some believe it is is the highest point of Herod's temple of that hour, which would have been in the southeast corner looking over the Kidron Valley, hundreds of feet below. Josephus says it was about 450 feet below. Matter of fact, Josephus, the historian, the, the Roman historian, writes... If anyone looked down from this summit, he would be giddy, his sight being unable to encompass such an immense depth. Does anybody go across bridges and your knees give you this? Woo-hoo? Does anybody stand on a high building or a high place in the back of your knee right here? Does, it, does anybody get those? Is Pastor the only one that that happens to? Get up on a ladder, way up on a ladder, and oh, my mercy. Years ago, we painted a house in Louisville, and, and uh, we had a 40-foot ladder. We extended that thing as far as it would go, and when you, when you went up on that ladder, you got about like, like, like four to five feet of this. And every time I'd get to that point, I'd say, if I could just get past this middle point, I'll be all right. Not only did we have to get to the top of that, we still had to put a, po- a brush on the end of the pole so we could reach to the top. Yet, yeah, Just high places is just not my friend. And so Satan takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. Again, some people believe it is in the southwest corner here, that or southeast corner here, which would have been the highest point of the temple. Or other people believe it is possibly the southwest corner, which was not nearly as high, but it was the place known as the place of trumpeting. Josephus, again, the historian, said that that trumpeters, that priests would stand there to announce the beginning of the day of worship, to announce Sabbath, to announce various things. This was a location from where Jews would get regular messages by the shofar being blown at this high point, and it would echo out throughout Jerusalem, and people knew what that was. It's time to go. It is the place of trumpeting, a very visible, very public, very well-known place. It was significant because here the the rhythms of spiritual life were being sent out by the blast of a trumpet. Talmudic traditions tells us that on the top of the roof of the temple itself, each morning a priest would stand with this trumpet in his hand awaiting for the first Blush of light of the first sign of dawn. And as the first light, he would blow the trumpet to let the people know that the new day had begun and the hour of morning sacrifice had arrived. It was a place of watching. It was a place that the priests would gather to proclaim. It's time to worship. It's time to sacrifice. It's time to get busy. Amen. Malachi writes and tells us in in, in a prophetic word, he said in three and one, the Lord whom ye seek will suddenly come to his temple. Amen, the Lord will suddenly come to his temple. Rabbis interpreted this passage of scripture that when the king, the Messiah reveals himself, he'll stand at the roof of the temple at this place of trumpeting to announce that he's arrived to announce that Messiah is here. I believe perhaps Satan took him to this place. Maybe the priest in his white garment had just left from blowing the shofar to declare that the day of worship had begun. And so here is Jesus standing here and Satan begins to whisper sweet nothings in his ear. Come on, the Bible says... The scripture says, how many know the devil will quote scripture to you? The Bible says, if you'll cast your... Self, down that the angels are going to give charge on you. You are Messiah. What he was saying was, it's time to announce yourself right now. It is time to show who you are right now. It is time to begin your ministry. Just fall down and watch the angels, or when the angels pick you up, because the Messiah is not going to hurt. The Messiah shouldn't have pain. Come on, Jesus. Let everybody know your Messiah and fulfill Malachi 3 and 1's prophetic word. It is interesting that Satan, when he quotes scripture to Jesus, quotes from that very familiar messianic psalm to the Hebrews, Psalm 91, and he quotes from verse 11 and 12. He says, He's quoting from this passage when he's quoting scripture to Jesus. How dumb does Satan have to be to quote scripture to the word? Here's the word, the word, made flesh, the word. Here's the word that wrote the word. And he says to him, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, and they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. The verse states that the the Messiah would have the right to be protected from all evil. Come on, Jesus, just jump. Jump from this vantage point and let's show the world who you really are. It's time for you to, come on, you're not going to face suffering. You're not going to face trials. This is the heart of the temptation. If you are the son of God, you will not suffer. You will be protected. Amen. Do what you want. You'll be okay. Live how you want. You'll be okay. There is the temptation. God loves you too much to put pain into your life. So go ahead and jump and try God and see if he won't be there for you. Amen. It is a trick of the devil today to make people think that if I live for God, I'll never suffer. I'll never have pain. I'll never have issues. My life will be just simply in the arms of the angels, protected every step of the way. Amen. So we get a world today that says if God is a loving God, why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much issues in the world? I'll tell you why. Because sin came into the world by our great 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 great, 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 great grandparents. Right? But the temptation is jump off the cliff. It won't hurt you. Drink this. It won't hurt you. Smoke that. It won't hurt you. Date this. It won't hurt you. Watch this. It won't hurt you. Read this. It won't hurt you. Have this friend. It won't hurt you. Go here. You will be all right. Because God said, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Sounds like the once saved always saved doctrine, doesn't it? Now you can live any way you want to; God's still going to save you. Hmm, boy, that's a wicked doctrine. You can quote me on that. You don't believe the Bible? That's okay. You'll be protected. God loves you anyway. You'll be protected. Jump. Uh, you got The Lord said, "I promised you long life." So I'm just going to jump. I mean, up. Uh, how many remember we? we <laughs> We had a house right next door. Sister Kathy, you remember the house right next door you lived in? And, 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 and one day we got a, a, a word that we needed to go to that house. We, we were working on that house at the time. And, and there is David and Cole, neither one of them here, jumping off of the house little boys at this time, about, about yay high, jumping off the house. I'm telling you, once I was young and now I've own, I'm old and I've never seen a reason to jump off a house. <laughs> jump, just jump. What is it saying? I'll take presumption over faith because he's going to protect me no matter what. I am presum- I'm just going to presume I'm going to be all right. No, faith says I'm going to be all right because he said I was going to be all right regardless if there's suffering in my life, regardless if my life isn't perfect, regardless if there are some things that don't work out for me. I'm going to be all right because he said I'm going to be all right, not because I jumped and tempted the Lord. Let's just say Jesus... Let's presume you're the son of the God. Let's just just surmise that you're Messiah. The word says Psalm 91 says He'll give his angels charge over thee. He'll he'll protect you. He'll protect you. A lot of people have mistaken scripture for for temptation are mistaken, and, and what they thought was Scripture was really temptation. I got a call some years ago from an individual that had backslidden from the Lord and, and and said, well, I believe this Scripture means this, and they wanted to talk about this Scripture, And and what they said was, in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So then the deduction from this individual was that everybody has the Holy Ghost. What demon quoted you that? Twisting the scripture. Satan is the ultimate twister of truth. He's the ultimate twister of scripture. And that is a part of the temptation that he begins to perpetrate on Jesus Christ. Satan will use the Bible, the word of God, and he will use it to try to get you to be tempted and do something un- unaccording, not according to the will of God. Anybody ever had that? Ever faced that? It is interesting that he quotes Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12 to tempt Jesus. Jump, he'll give the angels. He doesn't quote the verses before. Talks about dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty, which means being in accountability and under his wings and under his authority. He doesn't quote that, and neither does he quote verse 13. Psalm 91, 13, put that up. Notice what he said, what that scripture says. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under foot. Under your feet. Amen. It's interesting that the devil couldn't quote verse 13. He'd quote 11 and 12, but he sure didn't quote verse 13. Why? Throughout Scripture, Satan is depicted as a roaring lion, as a slithering snake, and as a dangerous dragon. So what he didn't want the, didn't want to be said is what the next verse is. I want to tell you, don't just... Just don't base your your doctrine and your life off a few verses. Read on. Study on. Find out the context of what is being said. Can you thank the Lord? Praise God. That was pretty good. Can you thank the Lord? Don't let the devil tempt you By using scripture against you, trying to trick you, amen, trying to trick you. Uh, I I would would like to ask you, this is out of order, Sister Shelley, but I'd like for you to go back to our Matthew chapter 4 and verse 7, Matthew 4 and 7. Satan has tempted him, he's quoted scripture at, at the word, Dumb move, but he's quoting scripture trying to get Jesus to be out of place. Then look what Jesus says. Jesus said unto him, It is written again. Let me show you another verse. Let me tell you that it is written again. There are some other scriptures that you need to put with this. I believe that the Lord could have quoted a lot of different things, but he simply just said this It is written again, thou shalt not tempt or test the Lord thy God. What a statement. You're not supposed to test the Lord thy God. Who is he tempting? Who is he tempting? Who is he tempting? He's tempting Jesus. But Jesus quotes, thou shalt not tempt. The Lord. What is Jesus saying? Amen. You better know who you're working against. You better know who you're tempting. Amen. I will believe today we need to make sure that the devil knows I am a child of God, and I'll quote Bible right back at you. You quote it out of context. I'll quote it in context. You only quote 11 and 12. I'm going to quote 13 and 14 and 15. I'm taking the whole book, not just a part of the book. I'm not going to just watch you twist the word. I want to eat the book. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The temptation came. He twisted scripture. So that lets me know that you and I better get the word right. We got to get the word right. We better get the truth right. Paul said to Timothy, rightly divide the word. We need to study. We need to understand the hermeneutics of scripture that is how interpretations fit and and how that this verse meshes with that verse and we need to read them in context don't just take one verse and let the devil beat you up over read before it and after it Read a chapter or two and a chapter or, th- or two afterwards and find out what is being said. Study who it is being said to, what what time it is being said to them, and, and does it apply to the church or does it apply to Israel? Right? Be very careful in the study of the word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter four and verse one, Paul writes to a mixed up church and he says, therefore seeing we have this ministry As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Amen. There are still some doctrine out there that needs to be classified as deceitful, dangerous, and deceitful hallelujah because they don't line up with scripture because they do not line up with the word not with apostolic ideas or pentecostal uh 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 uh, proclivities of this is what we think but what does the word say what does the word say hallelujah i just want to say we 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 have got a doctrine called prosperity that has led many people to bankruptcy and not to prosperity Only like some big Ponzi scheme, the people at the top are the ones flying planes. They're the ones in the the, the multi-million dollar homes all over the country. Amen. But they're sure to take that offering from that, that widow that is giving out of her living because why? It is a doctrine that is deceitful. We need to be careful about doctrines that are deceitful. Hold the truth in righteousness. He said, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God but if our gospel be hid it is to hid to them that are lost and whom the God of this world has blinded their minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them the devil will come as a angel of light he will come to deceive he will come to cause deception that's why I need to know what the word says I need to know what the word says about my identity. I need to know what the word says about marriage. I need to know what the word says about salvation. I need to understand what the word says about my victory. I need to know what the word says about suffering and dealing with suffering. I need to know what the word says about going through trials and tests because Satan will use scripture to confuse you. He will twist it around to confuse your mind. If you don't believe me, go ask Eve who never faced a devil before in her life but just one visit from a slithering snake. The, the the enemy used the word of God twisted it around to cause confusion. Satan also will cause will use scripture to try to as in this temptation he tried to make Jesus be impatient and jump ahead of the will of God. To jump ahead of the will of the father. To jump ahead and And say, I'll bypass all that I'm supposed to go through and I will fall so the angels will pick me up. Amen. Don't let the word cause you to be nothing but patient with God. Let the promises of God come because the Bible said the husbandman, the farmer, waits patiently for harvest. He twists scripture so that we become impatient. He twists scripture. So we will begin to doubt. We doubt what God says about our identity. We doubt what God says about our salvation. Just because of scripture. Satan wants us to doubt about our purpose. He wants us to doubt about the grace of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God. He wants to make you think because you are not been perfect, because you have messed up and because you've done something wrong, you can never be saved again. I want to say that's a twisting of scripture because my Bible said if I will repent and return that the Lord will receive me. The whole story of the prodigal son is the truth of God's mercy and grace. It's the truth of God's power it matters not you say well they have gone too far who says there's a God that says I'm waiting for them there's a father that says I'm waiting for don't let the devil twist your scripture to say they can never be saved or, or they can never, never find God Amen. I had a man that was pastoring in another church come to me years ago I've been here long enough now that I can say everything was years ago, Brother Mike. Everything was years ago. But he came up to me and he said, I don't think I can live for God. And I said, why? He I, I don't think I can live for God. I said, why? He said, because I think I've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And I said, by the fact you are standing here right now concerned that you have blasphemed the Holy Ghost is a good evidence you did not blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Because once you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, I believe there is no desire for repentance. There is a complete walking away, a complete failure to ever see God. Amen. So the devil comes into your mind and says, well, you blaspheme and and, and you can never be saved. You go tell him to peddle his wares somewhere else because there's another scripture that you can quote to him. There's another verse that you ought to quote to him. Don't let the devil twist scripture. If it comes condemning... If it comes condemning, it didn't come from God. If it comes convicting, you can trust it come from God. Hallelujah. Here's how you can tell the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation will be general. You're a bad person. You're a horrible person. You messed up here. Conviction will say, when you told that lie, it will tell you definitively about that situation it points to a particular thing or a particular event or going to a particular place I'm convicted of that amen. but it's a conviction that causes repentance it's a conviction that causes us to turn and go a different direction condemnation will make you feel bad about yourself it'll make you feel like I can never do it woe is me I can never live for God I can never be holy enough I I can never be righteous enough. I might as well quit. All right. All right. That's the temptation that came the way of Jesus. <clears throat> Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. How many knows that old song? The devil is a sly old fox. Yeah. If I can catch him, I can put him in a box. One of these days, he's going to be put in a pit. I hope that I get a ringside seat to watch that one of these days. So the devil takes him to the holy city, sets him on the pinnacle, probably in the area where the trumpeter would trumpet. And he says, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. I've got Bible for you. Because he said that angels will, he'll take charge of thee. But Jesus said, "Uh, wait a second, I got another verse for you. I got another verse for you. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus was saying, my mission is not about me, so why should I jump now? My mission is not about me. I'm not going to circumvent the process. I don't have to declare to the world that I am Messiah. I'm just going to simply wait on the will of the Father. Don't jump the gun. Don't jump the gun to try to circumvent what God wants you to do. Because he said, I will be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Somebody say, thank the Lord for that. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean that I'll never have an issue or never have a problem. But I remember some verses that encourages us today about protection, that the Lord will protect us in situations. Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God, you got this. I don't have to do it myself, I don't have to show how great I am myself by jumping. Amen, I'm not gonna tempt you, Lord. I'm gonna trust you, Lord. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you that everything's gonna be all right in my marriage. I'm gonna trust you that everything's gonna be all right in my job. I'm gonna trust you that everything's gonna be all right in my ministry. Hallelujah, amen. How many of you right now can say, I'm just gonna trust the Lord? I'm gonna trust the Lord, not the words of a snake that says jump the writer of Isaiah also writes and says in 54 and 17 no weapon that is formed no weapon that is fashioned no weapon that is created against thee shall prosper it doesn't say no weapon shall never hurt you it's what the devil wants us to think but it shall not prosper. It shall not prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. God's going to get me through. God's going to help me. Amen. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Oh, yeah. I can remember Sister Gill and I just, Young kids going to the Philippines, getting in the airplane with Brother Grant, flying to the islands to go to some other services. And the way they have to land in some of these islands because of the temperature between the water and the land, they don't land like this, they land like this. And we were going for a landing. And it looked like the nose was at a 45-degree angle. I know it wasn't, but it sure did feel like it. it that, that plane was, and I looked around, and the, the plane is shaking like this. And, and, and it looks like that the, the compartment that is holding all the luggage or baggage up on the top is about to fall apart because it's moving inches. It's shaking like that, and and I reach over, and I take my my, my, my sweetheart, honey, hand, and, and it's not because I just want to hold her hand because <laughs> she's pretty, but, uh, man, our knuckles is turning white in the name of Jesus. Lord, keep your hand up on us. We're praying, and Brother Grant is sitting next to us with his legs crossed like this, and he's got a newspaper up, and he's reading the newspaper, and I looked at him and said, Brother Grant, are you concerned? I'm a little concerned. And this is what he said. When it's my time, it's my time. Well, I don't want it to be my time. But when you know that God's got this, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to be a... He is the great protector. You're going to be all right. Stop biting your nails. Stop wringing your hands and just simply say, Lord, I trust you to protect me. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3. But the Lord is faithful. Somebody say "The the Lord is faithful. Who shall establish you and keep you from evil. The Lord will keep you from evil. Psalm 138 and 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of my enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right in a political climate of uncertainty in America. I'm going to be all right in a culture that is increasingly anti-Christ. I am going to be all right. God's got this. I believe we can have peace that passes understanding. Amen. You can't have peace that passes understanding until you're in a situation that has no understanding. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and 29, Are not two sparrows so for a fireling, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? <coughs> but he said, But the very hairs of your head are numbered I couldn't get one because I wanted to change the number the Lord when, when, when my hair started falling out man he had to have a, a, an incredible heavenly calculator catch that that needle look like a like a fan spinning around but he keeps the number of my hair and if he keeps the number of your hair, don't you think he's a little concerned about everything else? Yeah. Woo! So, devil, I'm not jumping. My God's got this. My devil, uh, devil, I want you to know I'm not quitting because God's got this. Devil, I want you to know I'm not gonna stop believing because God is. I've come too far to turn back. I've seen the Lord move and I'm not going to turn back. God has got this. Come on, clap your hands. The very hairs of your head are numbered. Verse 31. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more valuable than many spirits. You're valuable. He will protect us, but know this suffering may still come, but still, even then, I'm gonna be all right. Yes, Look at first Peter chapter 3 and verse 16. And having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Listen to this. For it is better if the will of God be so. It is better to be in the will of God and everything going crazy than it is to be out of the will of God and everything going fine. Anybody living in crazy? Anybody living in or have lived in crazy? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I trust you. Praise God. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. I want to be in the will of God. Proverbs five uh, 3 and 5. Proverbs 3 and 5. Amen. Here's the key to resisting this temptation and that is trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not thy own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Put God first when you're on the pinnacle and the devil says jump. Amen. Put God first when the devil says give up, give in, show yourself, just just let yourself go. No, I trust him. I acknowledge him. He said he would direct my path. 1 Peter 4.13 But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Stand with me please. Thank you, Lord. Come on, jump. God will be with you. Move ahead of the will of God. He still said he's going to give his angels charge over thee. Go ahead, jump. Go ahead. I'm telling you it's better to stop and wait before you jump to know that you're in the will of the Father. Hallelujah. I am so thankful that God does not just simply operate on healing that didn't come because of the mistakes we made. But we make mistakes and he still comes and helps us. We're human, we're frail, we mess up. But instead of giving in to the devil to quit and say, I'll protect myself. How about let's just fall into his arms and say, I lean on you, Lord. Underneath are the everlasting light. Let's come to the altar today. Amen. Let's come to the altar and just simply take a moment and just simply say, underneath are the everlasting arms. Lord, you've got me. You've got me. I don't have to test you. You've got me. I don't have to worry about protection. You've got me. Hallelujah. I know, Lord Jesus, that you're able to supply the need. I know, God, that you're able to help us, God. You are our protector. You are our strength. Oh, Lord, today we thank you, God, for your protection. We thank you, God, for your mercy and grace hallelujah I stand at the pinnacle Lord but I'm trusting you devil you're a liar get away hallelujah I believe in you Lord Jesus I believe that you've got this I believe you've got Lord I believe you've got this Lord hallelujah 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 I know that my future is uncertain but I'm trusting you I'm trusting you you've got this Lord I may never have what I think I ought to have but I want you Lord I will follow you Lord you're my provider, you are my protector. Lord Jesus, I thank you God for your blessings today. Oh Lord, we love you God. we love you God. we praise your name. we praise your name, we praise your name you I must admit to you, There are times that I drive to certain places, Indianapolis or Louisville, and I could feel unsafe. I just feel unsafe. I feel like, and I don't care if I've got a Gatlin gun, I can feel unsafe. Because there's some places a Gatlin gun ain't going to save you. There's some places that there are some situations that no matter how much you're armed or Or however the enemy can come in. But I want want you to know that God can protect you in the most difficult places. you. You may have heard this story, but Brother Edmonds, when he was in Vietnam War, he fought as a conscientious objector and did not carry a weapon, but decided to be a medic without a weapon had no weapon. He was there to help those that were hurt, and that's what he went for. There was an occasion where him and two other American soldiers was walking through an open field, and out of nowhere come a whole host of Viet Cong. And he looked at those men, and he said, stand still. Stand still. They walked right through them, never even saw them. I'll take that protection. That's the protection I want. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Right. Amen. Woo. Brother Edmund said he was in the place where it was so wet and it was cold. And, and he said, Lord, I'm freezing. I need some help. And he said, This is what happened. He said, all of a sudden, here come a bunch of rats. And they crawled up in his pants. They crawled down his shirt. They covered his body. And he slept all night as warm as could be. Lord, have to rewire something right here. (laughs) He'd have to rewire something. But I guess if you're cold enough, you'll do whatever. In the morning, he woke up, shook a little bit, and they left him. God's got this, somebody. needs to hear, Pastor, tonight. God has got this. Quit listening to the devil telling you, I don't know if I'm going to make it. God's got this. God has got this. It's going to be okay. I've refused to listen to the enemy say jump. I'm trusting rather than jumping. I'm trusting in God rather than jumping. our ministry.